0: Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2 is where we'll find our place today. We've got to go quickly. We packed a lot into this service. That's okay from time to time. The first thing I want to talk with you about is something that's been on our staff's heart for quite some time. And that's this upcoming week, uh, making this upcoming week from this Sunday to next Sunday, this Sunday to next Sunday, a week of prayer and fasting. And we're participating with other churches in our community uh, and, and various churches do it in various ways. And we felt very impressed to do it incredibly simply and incredibly straightforwardly. Where you as an individual would own that week for yourself. And I think the greatest joy for you will be found in owning it for yourself. And that you in the spirit of Nehemiah four, when he heard that things weren't going well, we love his response, one four when I heard this, I sat down, I wept, in fact, for days, I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed. what a wonderful what a wonderful thing at the beginning of a new year to have a time of fasting and prayer and to to take a week and say, "God, what what are you up to in this week? What do you want me to to hear from your heart? What can my heart hear from your heart how can i How can I press in to you just?" a little bit more and we would urge you in the spirit of nehemiah 1 4 to this afternoon prayerfully consider for the next week giving up one thing that's very important to you that you would replace that time that is now vacant and vacated with with some extra time in your walk with god that you would enhance this week your walk with god and maybe you'll say farewell to watching tv for this upcoming week and at the time that you would normally do that you're pressing in Uh, and you're enhancing your walk with God. Maybe you're gonna choose to give up your morning coffee. That could be dangerous. You gotta pray about that. But during that time that you would normally, (laughs) I see some mamas going, ain't no way I'm doing that. We'll think of some other things, Pastor Mike, but you've gone from preaching to meddling with that suggestion. Uh, You may not wanna give up your coffee. You've gotta figure that out. See, I want you to own it. It's between your heart and God's heart. It's between your heart and God's heart. What's one thing you could give up, and you replace that, Uh, You fill that time with enhancing your walk with God and then uh, just enhancing in those times your prayers to God. You're reading his word, you're hearing from him, you have the incredible privilege of speaking back to him through the great joy of prayer. And that is a really week-long focus of saying farewell to something, replacing it with an enhanced walk of fasting and prayer that we would hear from our great God. Uh, Give that some thought. We'd love for you to join with us in that this coming week. You've got three corporate opportunities for prayer, really two in one here to break it down very accurately. Number one, on Monday, tomorrow at noon in D7, our GO team is sponsoring a one-hour prayer time for missions. If you'd like to come on your lunch hour, bring a sack lunch. You're welcome to do that. Noon to one tomorrow, right across the courtyard in D7, a one hour prayer time for missions on Wednesday, noon to 1230. I mean, it's a half hour of power right in here, noon to 1230. One of our pastors will be here to lead a corporate prayer time right here in the sanctuary on Wednesday. And then on Friday is your to just find that quiet place on the lunch hour when you take your lunch at that right moment in the day where you can just have that time with you and your God and you uh as a result of that fasting time I've got some friends who are who are I call them great fasters they just it's almost like a a calling for them and and they have all independently uh, separate from each other uh tell me that during those times of great fasting they're It's like their spiritual hearing is heightened and they can hear things and and they can hear God speaking to their heart through his word and in that communal time in prayer that maybe they don't hear at other times. And so as you have that time on Friday, you're just listening and you're talking to God about everything that's going on in your life. A week of prayer and fasting and the joy of it will be as you own it and you along with your heart and God's heart You shape it and you model it for this upcoming week as he is impressing you to do. And Nehemiah gave us that wonderful example as he showed us what to do when things aren't going well. And boy, they weren't going well in Jerusalem. And there was real struggles. And the people of God who had been taken out of Jerusalem and the city had been really routed by King Nebuchadnezzar. We know that story. We see it in HD quality in the early portions of Daniel and throughout the prophets. Um, They were beginning, the people of God, to go back. Uh, The kings that had conquered the Babylonians really didn't have the interest in the people of God that the Babylonians did, and so they allowed people to begin to make the journey back to their homeland as as was requested. And the first group went back in 538 B.C. under the uh, command of Zerubbabel, and they were working on rebuilding the temple. The second group went back in 458 B.C. under the capable command of Ezra, uh, and Ezra was really the pastor of the group. And all the folks that were working there, Ezra was working and pastoring them. And what a great book in the Old Testament that is. And then Nehemiah, 444 B.C., leads a group back. We're going to see that exactly happen today. And their goal was to rebuild the city walls. And that they did in 52 days. Quite an architectural and carpentry and masonry achievement that um, these uh, workers achieved. And Nehemiah is hearing that things aren't going well. And he shows us what to do when things aren't going well in our lives. And he pressed into God. And we see what it looks like to press in. He sat, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. He reminds us that answers and healing takes time. He's working on this in the fall. It's not until the spring that he actually stands before the king and makes this ginormous, big, hairy, audacious ask when he asks for all of his vacation, all of his sick days, All of his birthdays, all of the days that he could find in the owner's manual and the work manual that he could possibly find, he asked for all of them for five years in one big ask. It's exactly what he does. And he shows us that 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 took time for that moment to, to come, all the way from the fall to the spring. And he also shows us that God is the master of turning our messes into messages. And then he prays that beautiful prayer. He really shows us what a prayer looks like that God hears, a prayer of adoration, a prayer of confession, and a prayer of supplication. And I want you to see something that happens from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 11. Ten really short verses. But look where we pick it up in Nehemiah 2, 1. Early in the following spring, or early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, During the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. Chapter 1, verse 1 tells you where they were. They were in the fortress of Susa. And uh, there they are. He's with King Artaxerxes. I had never before been sad in his presence. It's an amazing statement, really. Uh, I've never before been sad in his presence. It Really dawned on me while Josh was sharing those announcements. He must have not only gone to church; he must have led a small group. Very happy was Nehemiah, uh, just joyful guy because he showed up at church a lot. He loved God. He walked with God. He knew God. He pressed in to God, and he was never a sad before the king before. So the king asked me, "Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick. You must be deeply troubled." Wait till we unpack together what he was troubled about. You know what he's troubled about. You know the fact from chapter 1 that things aren't well. You know he's been setting and, and, and praying and fasting and mourning and, and, and really stressing over this and trying to give this situation to God that he finds himself in. And what happens between chapter 2, verse 1, and chapter 2, verse 11? Look at verse 11. This is amazing. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Wow. He goes from the palace in Susa to now he's back in Jerusalem, 444 B.C. He's leading a whole group of people back to rebuild those city walls. He can hear the clanging of the other uh, tools and implements as the temple is being built. He can see Ezra erecting that stage, not to elevate a man, but to elevate God's word that the people would hear the word of God and turn their hearts back to the one true God who would give them the strength and the success and the wisdom they need to rebuild the city that God had destroyed because he was teaching them a vital lesson. Because this we can never forget, that who the Father loves, he what, church? He chastens them. That's exactly right. And Nebuchadnezzar was a tool of chastening to the people of God who had turned their hearts away from the one true God. And now they're back and they're rebuilding and they're trying to learn these lessons and get this forever settled in their soul. And Ezra's there pastoring them. And Nehemiah arrives. And I want you to see what I think is one of the coolest verses in this whole book. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, he caught his breath. They settled the load of timber. We'll talk about it in just a moment. They rested. They refreshed. Three days later, I love this. I slipped out during the night. While everyone was sleeping, while the streets were quiet, while no one could see me moving about for a private and intimate moment, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Here's what I've underlined in my Bible, and I put a star beside it. I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. There's so many things we can talk about from the book of Nehemiah. And I have um, about 25 minutes left with you, and I knew that would be the case. Because Timothy retreat updates are important. And Hume Lake updates are important. And songs and greeting times are important. It's really very biblical as to why we do that. But so is our time in God's word. And I got down on my knees in my office and I said, God, you've got to you've got to make it very clear to me what it is we're to focus on because there's so much here we could go all afternoon. And we've got, a, we've got a funeral this afternoon. We can't go all afternoon. So Lord, what is it that you want us to focus on? And here's what the Holy Spirit of God burst in my heart for you today. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. And today I come with a question for you. What plans has God put in your heart for 2019? What plans does God put in your heart? What is it in 2019 that God wants you to do? What is it that he wants to work in you? What is it that he wants to work through you? How does he want to use you to bless and touch someone else? How does he want to grow you? What does he want to do in and through your life? in 2019. What a question that is. I wonder if you've even spent any time thus far in the new year sort of sitting with that question and talking to God about that. What, God, do you have in store for us, for for my life, our marriage, our family, the grandchildren, the the older children, the aging parents? God, what is it that you want to do in and through my life in 2019? What are the plans, God, that you have for me. I wrote some just starter ideas for you. What plans, God, have you put in my heart for 2019 regarding maybe a new ministry opportunity? Maybe you've been thinking and praying for a long time about leading a small group. You've been, you've been thinking about uh, emailing josh at nwhills.com and saying, hey, I'm ready to, to lead a group or to host a group. You say, Pastor Mike, that's a big step for us. We're, we're quiet. We're, we're, we're introverted. We, we can't imagine opening our home. But yet God's been pressing that on you. And this is the year that he's laying heavy on your heart that that you're to host or you're to lead a group. That's a big deal. We know what a big deal that is. We would love to partner and journey with you and seeing that come to fruition. Maybe this year God has a new relationship for you. You're a single friend here. We love our single friends here. And and you're, you're seeking God's will for a new relationship. Maybe he's just brought a new relationship your way. And and you're really assessing whether this is God's will for your life or not, let me urge you to pray deeply about that and to pray far more about it than you think about it. It's very important. You want to be connecting your life with the people that God has prepared for you. Huge questions. Maybe you have in this new year a relationship to restore. Maybe there's a broken relationship in your life that has weighed heavy on your heart for many, many years, And this is the year that God is gonna ask you to write that letter. Pastor Mike, when a relationship is broken with a parent, a grandparent, a brother, a sister, uh, an aunt or an uncle, a cousin, a friend, a former neighbor, who goes first in restoring that relationship? Well, that's an easy answer. The person who's mature and the maturist always goes the first. And maybe that's what you're called to do this year, to write that letter and to say in that letter, please forgive me. For I was wrong and I'm sorry. I say to people all the time, and it's the truth, you think I'm joking, but it's not a joke. There has never been, I don't think, a week in my life that I've not apologized to someone from my heart for something. I'm still trying to get a full week, I promise you. That's probably my goal for 2019. Could I get one week where I'm able to hold it together and I don't have to apologize for the fact that, oh my goodness, I am so sorry I didn't call you. I said I would and I didn't. And that's not right because words matter. And I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I just find that, that we have to be comfortable with those words if we're really gonna maintain healthy relationships. As a parent, I have to apologize to my kids all the time. Sometimes I'm too harsh with the kids. Sometimes I'm not tough enough with the kids. And I'm just lazy and I don't wanna get up off my tail and do the necessary parenting work that I need to do. And I've had to go in and apologize to them. You know what? I let you down. And I'm sorry, that's not right. Please forgive me. Maybe you've got a relationship to restore. Maybe there's a job situation in 2019 that that needs to get solved and maybe you're either a part of the problem or a part of the solution. You've got to sit with that. It's going to be a big thing on your heart in 2019. Maybe there's a need that you need to meet. Maybe you have a need that needs to be met and it's heavy upon your heart. Maybe there's a situation with a child or a grandchild whether they are young or whether they are adult, whether they're brand new or whether they're aging, that you just absolutely need a miracle. And it's heavy on your heart in 2019. Here's my question for you today. In the few moments we have left, what plan, what idea, what burden, what challenge, what blessing, what step has God put on your heart in 2019 maybe he's put on your heart grandpa and grandma to write letters to those grandchildren maybe one letter a month to begin to transfer to them in a written form who you are your life story the faith you have and how God has moved and worked in your life maybe you're going to tell that story this year before it's too late that's how I became such great friends with the individual that we're going to celebrate this afternoon Esther Jabs. She would come by my office. I'm a brand new pastor. I don't know anybody. I don't know how to get anywhere in Corvallis. I don't know anybody. I don't know whether Esther Jabs has been here a month. Last Sunday was her first time or she's been here 100 years. Come to find out it was closer to 100 years. But uh, she would come to my office and she came in the first time and sat down and, and I took a risk. I've always fashioned myself as someone with a decent sense of humor. And she sat down and when she walked in, I stood up, I shook her hand and said, please have a seat. And I sat down there in my chair. She was in, I said, well, I presume you're here to discuss a funeral. (laughs) That's funny, right? And she says, uh, she says, that is hilarious. And she just lifted her head back and just, so every time she would come in and visit me, I would say, oh, do you have a song? You know, and it just became a running joke that she was coming to plan her funeral. Well, the interesting thing is, is I get to speak this afternoon at her funeral. And she told me exactly what she wanted me to say. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say it, right, on her behalf. So it's so cool because she just came and told me the story of Northwest Hills and her story, and she transferred her life to me. Grandparents, that's your potential opportunity this year. But you know what? It's going to take some intentionality and work to do that. I'm not saying that's necessarily what God's calling you to do. But let me ask you this. What has he put on your heart in 2019 to do? What plan has he birthed within you? Here's the three things that I want you to think about regarding that plan. And man, we have to hustle. Number one, it's so cool in these first two chapters. Regarding the plan that God has put in your heart for you to do, I want you to never forget... And you must always allow God to be your ultimate resource for everything and anything that he is calling you to do. Whatever it is that he's calling you to do in this new year, whatever plan he's put in your heart, whatever dream that he's birthed within you, whatever goal that you're looking to achieve, you must never forget, you must always remember, and you must always allow God to be your ultimate resource for everything he is calling you to do. Let me very quickly show you the verse that I think just drives this home in HD clarity. The king asks, verse 4 of chapter 2, "Well, well, how can I help you?" Huge, huge question. King and queen are sitting there, two of the most powerful people on the planet at the time. People of great wealth, great authority, great means, great military prowess. How can we help you? It's fascinating to me what the next phrase says. Verse 4, the king asked. You know what? Chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 3 is really the very dramatic spiritual God-ordained buildup to that question. It was all building to this crescendo when the king asks, and look what Nehemiah says, with a prayer to God, with a prayer to the God of heaven. Notice he just didn't say, well, king, man, I'm so glad you asked because I've been praying and, and, and here's what I want to... Before he said anything to the king, he says, watch. God in heaven, I acknowledge that while I'm so thrilled that King Artaxerxes' heart seems to be interested in what my situation currently is today, I want to acknowledge with my prayer to the God of heaven that you are always my ultimate resource for everything you are asking, calling, or commissioning me to do. He never lost sight of that. And you'll watch Nehemiah in chapter 1, in chapter 2, and chapter 3. Never lose sight of that. And as your pastor this morning, I'm here to implore you to never lose sight of that. That God is your ultimate resource. And it's he who lays things on our heart. But whatever God calls us to do, you know what? He gives us the grace and strength to do it wherever god guides you know what church it is true it is cliche but so true wherever he guides he provides and he will show you the way and you've got to let him be god in your life and be always your ultimate resource you see somehow nehemiah knew before these words were ever written in john 15 5, for without me you help me finish it church for without me you can do what nothing Somehow before the words were ever written, Nehemiah had it deep within his heart, Matthew 19, 26. With God, all things are what church? That's exactly right. And he never lost sight of the fact that he was his ultimate resource. Number two, I want to encourage you. I want to empower you. I want to free you to let God bless you through others. In other words, let God bring you partners for the dream, for the thing, for this outreach, for this letter, for this ministry, for this opportunity, for this absolute big hairy audacious goal that he's put on your heart. Let God bless you with others to help you push toward the goal. I love I love to watch football. And I love it when a running back is just driving his legs and he's just pushing and pushing. And then you see the big lineman get in with him and they're pushing and they're all just as a team just pushing and pushing. And they maybe get an extra two or three or four or five yards because they're just pushing together toward the goal. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Let others push with you. By the way, that's why this winter you need to get into a community group. Because it's in those prayer times and in those share times that you can share some of these things that God has put on your heart and you can get some people praying with you about it, cheerleading for you and they maybe even have a resource or a way to help you bring that dream to reality, bring that goal to accomplishment. Let other people bless you and help you on the way. I love the fact that that we have 5,000 people that we need to feed God allowed a, a young lad to help with five loaves and two fishes. I love the fact that, that Jesus needs to make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's gonna begin Holy Week. It's gonna begin the most important week in human history where he's gonna give his life as, a, as an atoning lamb for the sins of the world. He's gonna bring it all to full circle. The manger, the cradle, the crown, the cross, and it's all gonna to come to be and there was a gentleman who had a colt tied off on his barn and, and he allowed that colt to be used to carry Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. Jesus allowed others to bless him. Do you know what a blessing it was to that colt owner to allow that colt to be used like that? You see, here it is. When we allow others to bless us, Does it help us? Does it help us move the ball in accomplishing and achieving this this thing that God has put in our heart? Absolutely. But can I tell you this? You also give them the opportunity to be blessed as well. Because the Bible is surely true. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when we get to be a part of what God is doing in some other individual's life, in achieving some other spiritual goal, and maybe just helping be a listening ear to that letter that's being written, praying prayers, sending a note of encouragement. Whatever it is, it isn't always monetary. It can be so much and often is much more than that. We get in on the joy of what God is doing in their life, and what a joy that is. What has God put in your heart for 2019? keep your heart centered on him as the ultimate resource and be open, be humble enough to let other people bless you and help you I don't think I've ever shared this story with you but I had just finished my graduate degree, it was the spring of 1994 and God had put on my heart to leave Greenville, South Carolina and make a 2,800 some odd mile trip to Hillsboro, Oregon to plant a church in our sec- country's second most unchurched state as far as number of churches per capita of people. And I had spent all that last year of my graduate school going around to churches raising funds for this church planting effort and it had uh, it had netted me not nearly what we needed to plant that church. One day I was walking to the dining hall and I happened to just be walking in step with the president of our university. And I said, Dr. Jones, I want to tell you, God has put it in my heart to plant a church in Hillsborough, Oregon, upon my graduation. And I'm finding great success when I go to churches who have a real heart for church planning. Some churches do, and some churches don't. Bear in mind, in 1994, church planning was pretty early, and it was a new idea at that time. And also at that time, the Iron Curtain had just fallen. And so much missions emphasis was going into Eastern Europe, which was surely appropriate. And he said, well, let me think about that. And if I know of anybody, I'll I'll, I'll let you know. I never heard a word. Busy man. I didn't even offend me. I'm just, I just was lobbing that ball out there. I graduated. We had to be out of our campus housing by the end of May. And one day, mid-May, my phone rang, dating myself. And I went to the wall, (laughs) and I answered a phone that was connected to a wall. It really was. (laughs) And this guy on the other end says, hey, my name is Dave Book. You don't know me. But I'm the executive vice president of Grayco Children's Products. Oh, swings, pack and plays. Oh, yeah graco g-r-a-c-o and we are a solely owned christian company and we have a fund that we have set aside for assisting people who feel called to church plant in the united states and i'll be in greenville next week picking up my son who just graduated oh yeah i know your son and i'd like to meet with you for 15 minutes if you if you have 15 minutes i said well sure and we did and I shared with him what God had put on my heart. He said, I'm gonna take this back to our board. You'll hear something back from me in a week. On the day that it was a week, he calls me. He said, Mike, I, I talked to the board. We're super excited about what God's put in your heart. And uh, we love the fact that you've got a sponsoring church that's gonna be sort of the mother church of this daughter church that's being planted out in Hillsboro." And he said, here's what we've decided to do. We're going to send you $20,000 every six months until you no longer need it. And he says, because we just want you to know, we're all in. I said, well, how did you. After I picked the phone up, right? How did you even know to call me? He said, oh, I, I ran into Dr. Jones, and he told me what God had put in your heart. Ah, oh, I see so cool let people partner with you you know they were the most wonderful partners they partnered with us for six straight years until that church we planted in Hillsborough became self-sustaining and fully supported and on the day that we said farewell to all of our partners they were there members of that team and what a celebration it was of the faithfulness and goodness of God don't discount what God is putting in your heart. Don't minimize what God can do. And surely don't be so prideful that you're not willing to let others be a part of what God is doing in your life. You know, it takes some humility to open up your heart and your story. You know what I find my, my little Midwestern raised, all American, you know, I just want to keep it all in here, right? And try to do it all myself you know what I, just, I find? I don't make it very far. You know what I find when I say to Josh and Jeremy and Kurt and our other staff, hey guys, come in here and work on me with this. Collaborate on me with this. And I open myself up to, you know, what? you know what? You know what happens instantly? Whatever it is on the table goes from good to great. Instantly. Instantly. When we open ourselves up. Guys, I'm not, I am not I'm not being silly. That is the joy of community groups because it's hard to do that on Sunday. Our crowds are big, but in those smaller groups, whether it's men's or women's or couples or however it looks, those are the moments that you get to open up like that and God will exponentially work in and through your life concerning what it is that he has put on your heart. The last thing I want to share, more stories about that. We'll save some of those for later. The last thing I want to share is something I've got, I, I got to tell you. I've got to be responsible and tell you about this. It's found in verse 10. Well, no, no, no. Let's go back and read real quick. Then the king asked how I can help you. Verse 4. With a prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him. I love that. She goes, hmm? There, look, can't you see them? all? fancy smancy, sitting there all potentate look at Hmm. him. how long are you going to be gone have you been a good team player have you mentored a person to take your job you you all these have you read you read john maxwell do you have somebody in place to (laughs) succeed so the king and queen are sitting there right how long are you going to be gone i love that when will you return after I told him how long I'd be gone, the king agreed to my request. Bam. Bam. Don't be afraid to make the big ask. Love it. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors to the providence west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me Timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress for the city walls and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests. But look why. The gracious hand of God was on me. See, Nehemiah never forgot who the ultimate resource was. It wasn't King Artaxerxes. He's a puppet in the hand of a sovereign God. And he was just being used by God to bless Nehemiah and to bless Ezra and Zerubbabel and all of those that went back. Look at verse nine. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. Man, nobody's gonna mess with Artaxerxes. He's tough, man. He's a bad dude. He was one of the top rulers, one of the superpowers of the day. Oh, Artaxerxes, we don't wanna mess with them. Y'all come right on through. Waving them through. But look what happens. This is what I got to tell you. Not only must you figure out in 2019 what exactly it is that God has put on your heart, and not only must you also remember God is your ultimate resource and you must let God bless you through others, others, others who are reservoirs of God's blessing and channels of God's blessing, but you must never forget that when you are doing great things for God, there will always be people who oppose you. Always. Always. Look at it. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. And there's old Sanballat and Tobiah. And can I just tell you this? They are going to wear Nehemiah out in the coming chapters as they just pick at him and chew on him and file on him and criticize him and just wear him down with discouraging words. You know what, guys? We got to let God help us when those oppose the very things that God has put in our heart. In fact, I want to say this. Just because someone opposes it doesn't mean that God's not in it. In fact, I would testify this to you after 25 years of serving the Lord If I was launching out to do something great for God and someone didn't oppose it, I think I'd be concerned. Because they're a part of the process. Let me tell you what opposition does. It keeps us humble and it keeps us prayerful. It keeps us humble and it keeps us prayerful. Because some of your greatest challenges will not be in your failures, but it will be in your successes. And opposition keeps us humble and it keeps us prayerful. And Nehemiah begins to fulfill what God has put in his heart because he remembered God was his ultimate resource. He let others bless him. And he allowed God to help him deal with those who were opposing. We're going to see it develop deeper and wider, and the Sunday's ahead, and I'm excited to continue on in this fantastic book with you. Father, we love you as we prepare to sing our final anthems of praise and celebration to you. God, you're an awesome and an amazing God. And as we prepare for this week of fasting and prayer, where we're tuning our hearts, Lord, would you please show us exactly what you've put in our heart and what should be in our hearts that you want to do in this brand spanking new year. Lord, give us the grace and the strength to do it, to see you at work in our lives, in our families, at our work, in our marriages, in our kids in this new year. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.